This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We are here today talking about the five-year anniversary of the Me Too movement. We're going to spend some time on the silence breakers, the women who came forward and shared their stories. We're going to spend some time on the perpetrators, the powerful men who fell from their lofty, lofty positions over the course of this movement. We're going to talk about what has happened, both concrete consequences and more amorphous cultural changes. And at the end of the show, as always, we'll talk about what's on our mind outside politics and as Halloween rapidly approaches. It is candy. Candy is on our mind. Before we get started, we want to continue to thank you profusely for being part of this big, extensive birthday party we're having. We are now three episodes out from our seventh birthday here at Pansy Politics. So many of you are participating in our challenges, and we are thrilled about it. And this should be an easy one, okay? Today, the challenge is just to talk to three humans with your face and voice Mm-hmm. about pansy politics and we know that many of you do this all the time we get your emails where you say <laughs> people think sarah and beth are my real life friends because i mention them so often and we appreciate that we really do and we want to reward you with some party favors for that activity so talk with three people in real life go to our website fill out the form to say yes i did this and we will give you another entry into the drawing for that pantsuit politics time capsule along with our eternal gratitude Because what we're trying to do with this birthday celebration is grow the show. And y'all know that nothing works as well as an in-person recommendation. There are so many podcasts out there, guys. And one of the best ways to sort through them is to go, oh, you know what? My friend was telling me about this Pantsy Politics podcast. I'm going to go listen to it. So we appreciate all your recommendations. Up next, we're going to talk about the Me Too movement. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick and ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, a.k.a. problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. 
It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. As we think about the five-year anniversary of Me Too, let's talk about where it all started. Many trace the birth of the Me Too movement to October 15th, 2017, when actress Alyssa Milano tweeted the hashtag activist Tarana Burke had created almost a decade earlier. The post went viral, in the truest sense of the word, with 12 million responses on social media in 24 hours, largely of women sharing their own experiences with sexual assault and sexual harassment, and tagging the post, hashtag MeToo. Ten days earlier, actress Ashley Judd had publicly accused Harvey Weinstein of sexual harassment in the New York Times. If I could go back retrospectively with a magic wand and say, I wish I could prevent, I wish I could prevent it for anyone always, I don't know that I would have been believed. And who was I to tell. I knew it was disgusting. And that storm had been brewing for a while. We had had Taylor Swift's successful suit against a radio DJ who groped her. Swift was called to the stand by the attorney for former radio DJ David Mueller, the man she says groped her backside backstage at her 2013 concert. Just a couple months before, in August 2017, we had had the earth-shattering ouster of Mm -hmm. Roger Ailes at Fox News during the summer of 2016 because Gretchen Carlson had come forward with allegations against him. Roger Ailes, the architect of the Fox News Channel, just now resigning as chairman and CEO of Fox News Channel and Fox Business Network and also as chairman of Fox And so all of this had been in the works, and Alyssa Milano really met the moment with that tweet. That movement took off last weekend when Alyssa Milano highlighted it on Twitter, posting, if you've been sexually harassed or assaulted, write me too as a reply to this tweet. At the end of 2017, Time magazine named Silence Breakers as the persons of the year, really elevating the movement even further. They put Judd and Swift activist Adama Iwu, strawberry picker Isabel Pasquale, and former Uber engineer Susan Fowler on the cover of the magazine. And so to me, that's the image that sort of encompasses this moment. But I'll tell you, as as I was looking back on that time, it's such a swarm. There was so much happening sort of before, at the time, 
after that, it all sort of merges in my head (laughs) as sort of this one moment. And I think that's reflective of what happened with Me Too, is it just it just started to balloon and balloon and balloon and hold everything. It just holds so much. It holds sexual assault. It so holds sexual harassment. It holds all of these particular developments inside the media industry, but also affecting even low-income wage workers at McDonald's. So it just it felt so huge and amorphous. And even as I look back five years later at that time, it still feels that way. It still feels that way. We think about what's come of that amorphous movement that I I agree with you, Sarah, feels like it encompasses everything from some of the most shocking and pervasive episodes of sexual violence in the workplace to garden variety misogyny. Mm-hmm. We see some fruit of that movement. President Biden signed this year the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act. Gretchen Carlson has been championing this legislation for years now because employees, she says, should have the choice to go to court to pursue sexual misconduct claims instead of being required to arbitrate in these private settings that are very favorable to employers. Gretchen Carlson isn't done, though. And she and her her nonprofit that she founded are taking on non-disclosure agreements with the Speak Out Act that has been introduced with bipartisan support in the House and Senate because she has never been able to fully tell her story due to a non-disclosure agreement that she is bound to. And she would like other women and other victims of workplace harassment and violence to be able to tell their complete stories. And we've had her on the show to talk about that before. So we'll link that episode here in the notes. The amorphous nature of the movement, I think, is reflective of the fact that it really wasn't a political movement in any traditional sense, right? It wasn't organized. It didn't have defined goals. I think Gretchen Carlson and her group have been so successful because they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did have very defined goals. I think you see sort of the implosion of Time's Up. Time's Up was the the group started by many Hollywood actresses um, to, to continue to fuel and continue the work of Me Too. But again, what I just described is amorphous. I think Time's Up goal was amorphous. And it has really imploded in sort of spectacular fashion, while at the same time, the Legal Defense Fund set up has been really successful and has, you know, funded lots and lots of sexual harassment cases from McDonald's cashiers to NFL cheerleaders. And the financial resources are still there and still being used. And again, that, but that's like a defined goal. And so I think that's what's hard. I think that some of the, in some ways, siloed work of the Me Too movement has been successful. But the Me Too movement was cultural almost more than it was political. And when you're trying to talk about or measure cultural impact, cultural successes, well, that's a lot harder to do. And I think you see that. I mean, you had pushback almost immediately culturally. I was When I was looking back through Me Too timelines, I was struck that, you know, there was a letter pushing back against Me Too from, it's like Catherine Deneuve and many 
French sort of celebrities in like January of 2018, really soon after everything started. So you saw that immediately. And I think that's to be expected when something is largely cultural, hugely viral, and amorphous in sort of definition and goals. I think that is inevitable. And so that, to me, as we're looking back over these five years, that's not a sign of failure in any way, shape, or form. It's just a reflection of the nature of what Me Too was from the beginning. I remember about Time's Up when Oprah talked about Time's Up at an award show. The Golden Globes when she got the Cecil B. DeMille Award. For too long, women have not been heard or believed if they dared to speak their truth to the power of those men but their time is up. Their time is up. So I want all the girls watching here now to know that a new day is on the horizon. And when that new day finally dawns. It will be because of a lot of magnificent women, many of whom are right here in this room tonight, and some pretty phenomenal men fighting hard to make sure that they become the leaders who take us to the time when nobody ever has to say, me too, again. I can almost remember in my body what I felt like when when Oprah said that and recognizing that we were in a new era and that that era would have a real gravitational pull, that it would open up some of the worst of our society, even as Mm -hmm. it was advocating for us to do better. That's always the case. And it's certainly been the case with this movement. So it's encouraging to step back and look at some of the legislative wins that have been accomplished. And it makes me appreciate the work that Gretchen Carlson's group has done even more to see how critically important it has been to to focus on what can we do on a societal level. Because all the backlash to the Me Too movement individualizes Mm-hmm. what the movement was trying to call out as a communal problem. And so where you see that legislation moving forward and why I think that legislation is popular on a bipartisan basis is because it really does get to those structural forces instead of trying to ask all of us situation by situation to be judge and jury of how someone felt or what someone did and how someone else interpreted those actions. And also some of this can't be solved structurally. And I think that's what we bump up against and battle through when we talk about Me Too. As a woman, everything feels different and also the same. And I think that's what's hard and heartbreaking about both the movement and and where we sit five years later. It's hard to sit and talk about the Me Too movement and its successes when we're living in a post-row America. You know, like that's just really, really difficult. And in some ways, I think about that moment in time and and all the stories that have broken and that that feeling of 
oh my God, there's going to be some justice, real justice. And that that can't be taken away. That feeling of things are being said that haven't been said and people are being held to account that have never been held to account before. Like that moment you felt the realness of that cannot be taken away. It just can't. Once that is available to you, it's something you can't unknow. No matter how many of the accused <laughs> go on to careers, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about sort of the the perpetrator side of Me Too in a moment, but you just can't undo that. And at the same time, the reason that moment is so powerful is because our culture is so infiltrated with patriarchy and sexism and misogyny and racism as an accelerant or companion, as the case may be, to all of those things. And I just don't want to get stuck in this binary, especially around an anniversary of a movement like this, where it's like it's either thumbs up or thumbs down. It was a success or it was a failure. It was the reason I think it's so important to emphasize how big it was and how much it contained is to emphasize like that's not available here to do this sort of it it was a smashing success or it was a complete failure it's just you can't you can't do that with something like me too that was so intensely cultural continues to be an ongoing cultural conversation societal conversation and it's we're just going to have to learn to hold that i think that's part of what me too taught us to do is to hold the complexity of these moments and these interactions at all ends of the scale. We're not going to get there in five years. We're not going to get there in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. When, At which point I think we will still absolutely be talking about the Me Too movement and its impact. Yeah, it's an unrealistic expectation for a society that probably can't yet agree on where there is. Mm -hmm. That we would accomplish everything that one might hope from the Me Too movement because it involves undoing all of human history (laughs) and the way Mm -hmm. that we thought about each other and about relationships. I'm taking this class at my church about the theology around the LGBTQ community. And we are really dissecting the pieces of scripture that people use to classify specifically gay and lesbian relationships as sinful and and seeing them in the broader context of that era of humanity. And it really drives home how far we have come that women are no longer property, that sex has any expectation of being consensual Mm -hmm. or for any purpose other than procreation. And so in some ways, I try to hold a sense of celebration that here I am in a class where a woman pastor is talking to me and our church members, many of whom are gay and lesbian, about this historic context. And I still feel the frustration of, I cannot believe we still have to talk about this, and I can't believe that we are still seeing internet conversation about whether there is some right to sex in America. I mean, a lot of the the dialogue post Me Too has felt especially off the tracks to me. And I just have to remember that that is part of that pendulum swinging where we 
have a tendency to overcorrect in every direction, and finding some kind of equilibrium is the central challenge of being a person living in community with other people. I will say this five years later. We started this conversation really centering the women who came forward and told their stories. Consciousness raising in the purest sense of the word. It was consciousness raising for me as as a woman who has not had direct experience with sexual harassment in a workplace or sexual assault. I was shocked and heartbroken by how many stories I heard by how many experiences, just the the breadth and depth of what we heard from many of you emailing us at the time. And I have absolutely no doubt that if it was impacting someone like me, it was impacting and continues to impact so many others. And I have absolutely no doubt that as we sit here in a post-Roe America where women are pouring out their hearts and their stories surrounding reproductive justice, that we have Me Too to thank for that. That level of consciousness raising doesn't stay contained. It doesn't stay just on the subject we started sharing about. And so as, as heartbreaking as it is to feel like, oh, we took this step forward with Me Too, now we're taking a step back with Dobbs. They're connected. This idea that, no, you will not silence me. You will not silence me. I will tell what happened to me, and you will listen. The power of that cannot be understated. It cannot be understated, no matter what happens next. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist 
and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops. Premium luggage options and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. We consciously centered the experiences of the victims and the silence breakers and the activists. But unfortunately, much of the conversation surrounding Me Too has centered the experience of the perpetrators. And I don't think they're irrelevant. And it was in the same ways that the stories being told were impactful. Watching the powerful be called to account was also hugely impactful. And it's like, again, reviewing sort of the history of that moment in time is intense. You know, you're talking about the same month that Alyssa Milano sent that tweet. You get the first public accusation against Kevin Spacey. Roy Moore was running for Senate. At that time in Alabama, and the Washington Post publishes this huge story about him preying on underage girls. Louis C.K. comes out, confirms reports of sexual misconduct against him. The next month in November, Matt Lauer is fired from the Today Show after being accused of sexual assault. Charlie Rose is dropped from CBS, PBS, and Bloomberg. Garrison Keillor is fired from Minnesota Public Radio. Russell Simmons steps down from his company the same day. There are accusations against Danny Masterson, Jeremy Piven, Director Brett Ratner. This is all in November. (laughs) By December, you have Senator Franken resigning. Mario Batali leaves his show and restaurant. Then, of course, by the next fall, we have Christine Blasey Ford going public with her accusations of rape against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. I believed he was going to rape me. I tried to yell for help. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from yelling. This is what terrified me the most and has had the most lasting impact on my life. It was hard for me to breathe, and I thought that Brett was accidentally going to kill me. Now, by most counts over that period of time, you had 200 high-profile men accused of sexual harassment or sexual assault. 
hundreds. So many that I missed some when I was looking at this. I did not know that Morgan Spurlock came out and took responsibility for some of his behavior. Did you know that Morgan Freeman was accused of inappropriate touching and comments during this time? I did not. I missed that completely. I mean, that. But again, that's the volume that we were dealing with. People who seemed untouchable. I mean, you're talking about two of the three morning show hosts gone. I mean, it's just it's you look back on it and you're like, it felt like drinking from a fire hose for a reason. I think it's interesting to bring up Morgan Freeman and how we didn't know that because there's someone who weathered it. Mm-hmm. At the time, I remember acutely this sense that no one would be able to weather even the slightest accusation. Yeah. Because the floodgates had so opened and the facts no longer mattered. Everyone was caught up in this storm. And so coming back around to look at this and to see where those accusations led to some consequence and where they were able to be weathered and and dealt with. And, and I don't know the facts. I'm not passing any judgment on that situation. I know nothing about it. But I think it's good to remember that we didn't completely eradicate the ability of someone to continue on with life after an accusation. The movement was powerful, but it wasn't all powerful. And it certainly still isn't. I mean, Brett Kavanaugh's on the Supreme Court today. It, right. And Donald Trump was president the whole time. And Donald Trump was president the whole time. I mean, it. we overstate in every direction the effects that we have on each other in times of change like this. Because I also resent the coverage that's like, everybody went back to work. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Harvey Weinstein is in state prison. That was inconceivable. Not only is he in state prison in New York, he's on trial in California. They're going to bring charges in the United Kingdom. What the heck? R. Kelly, who got away with it one time, was acquitted, is now serving time in New York and awaiting sentencing in Illinois. Bill Cosby went to prison for three years and he got out on a technicality and it sucks. But he went to jail. (laughs) He went to jail. Danny Masterson is on trial right now for rape in Los Angeles. Others have faced civil lawsuits, those less successfully, (laughs) as we see Kevin Spacey. He was found not liable. And of course, we all know what happened with Johnny Depp. But It bothers me when there's this throwaway line I see a lot of journalists and writers take with me, too, that's like, well, you know, people went back. Matt Lauer is gone. Les Moonves is gone. Mario Batali is gone. Like, they do not have careers. No one hears from them. Others, I think you're right, with, with, I would say, less intense accusations surrounding them. Like Louis C.K. and of course Aziz Ansari, which I feel like was the zenith of this entire situation, are working again. They have reemerged. They have reemerged slowly. There are so many factors at play that when people say like, "Well, they just didn't," they're back working, and that's all that matters. I'm like, that's not that's not fair. That's disempowering and discouraging, and also not accurate. Because justice is multidimensional. Justice is forward looking and backward looking. And side to side looking. Mm-hmm. And you do have to have some sense of proportionality. The goal of Me Too, in my mind, was never that every person who ever made any poor judgment or abused their power could no longer function as a happy, productive member of society. That That is unjust. Figuring out what the backward-looking component of justice is That's a tough exercise that we're not good at for anything. We're just not good at that in general. 
it's hard. It is situation specific. And so I don't think you rack up a conviction count as a measure of this movement. And I don't know how you assess the forward-looking pieces, the prevention side, because all of these victims and survivors did not come forward to share their stories only to have the perpetrators suffer. They shared so that future generations of women Mm -hmm. don't endure this stuff. And it's hard to measure that when we've had a pandemic that kept many of us from physically being in workplaces together for a long time. I did read that the reports of sexual harassment to the Equal Opportunity Commission are way up. So people feel more comfortable reporting. Now, some people are going to argue they feel more comfortable false reporting. And look, I'm not going to say that every single claim is accurate. I can't do that nor would I want to. But I think the idea that people feel less alone and they they feel the sense of this is a thing that happens to other people and not just me. That's success. That's success. And that's a success we have to take. It can't be that the only success is this never happens again, that every single person it happens to goes to prison for the rest of their life. And I don't think the the justice system is always the best vehicle to pursue change. I don't think the corporate structure is always the best vehicle to pursue change. I think the idea that we're going to like have sexual assault and sexual harassment trainings on corporate campuses or college campuses, for that matter, and all be fine and dandy is also a pipe dream. We're dealing with some really complicated stuff. And, and honestly, I think that moment with Aziz Ansari was good and reflective of that. In some ways, I think that moment was an important zenith because we were scratching and scratching and scratching at some really, really hard stuff when it comes to sexual relationships and consent. I think we're still, and you see like, you know, we we broke apart the, the hardest layer, right? We got to the Harvey Weinsteins and the R. Kellys, the people we all knew were predators of the highest order. And now we're getting to like, the harder stuff, the the people like the even the Morgan Freemans or the Bill Murray or the Dustin Hoffmans, the people who are like making inappropriate comments. Everybody knows they're an asshole, maybe not a predator, but an asshole. Right. And like, that's hard. <laughs> that's harder stuff to tackle. These moments where there's there's confusion or miscommunication and it's built on decades of misogyny and sexist attitudes about women and cultural Puritanism around sex, like we're not gonna, we're not gonna get at that easily. It's gonna take a long time. And we're not gonna get all of it with one civil suit or one criminal suit or one corporate training. Because it's generational. Yep. I can't in my own parenting sort out all of the factors that make up the way that I teach my daughters to speak up for themselves, just as one example. I let my daughters say no to me a lot more than most people who raised my generation think is acceptable because of this. I want them to be very certain of and confident in their own power to choose for themselves And you can't start practicing that around sex. You know, you have to practice that in a lot of arenas to be able to do it when you get to sex. 
Now, as I say that, am I contributing to a sense of victim blaming, like the idea that if we could all just be stronger and more vocal about our preferences, this goes away? I don't know. I can tie myself in knots asking questions about what I'm teaching them and why I'm teaching them those things and what it says about me and how I was raised, that this is what occurs to me coming through this moment. Uh, And that just has to be okay. I think the best I can do is say, how do I give them the tools to the best that I understand them to set them up for a life where they are respected and respectful and and holding everyone's highest good at all times? But they're going to know a lot more about that when they're 42 than I do. And I hope their children know a lot more about it. And And to me, I just feel really profoundly grateful to the women who have accelerated that process by sharing so much and so courageously through this movement. Yeah, we talk about the pandemic accelerating things because that's what crises do. They create chaos and they accelerate change. And that's absolutely what Me Too did. I think, you know, forward looking from here generationally, it is hard. You know, as I was doing research for this episode, One of the leaders of Time's Up resigned because her son was accused of sexual assault. And I thought, oh, man, that is so heartbreaking. And I see all these reports and stories about how men under 30 are having less sex and teenagers are having less sex. And I think as a mother of boys, I think, well, maybe that's okay. Maybe the generational fallout here is less pressure on men to be these sexual powerhouses, to be under conquest all the time. Here's a controversial take for this Halloween adjacent episode. I think Hocus Pocus is a weird movie. Why are we talking about this child's virginity? Why are we so consumed with this boy's virginity? You know, and it's like, but it's reflective of a time. It's reflective of a generational approach to all this. And I, I hope that in the same way we are are shifting and growing our understanding of women inside these relationships as a mother of boys. Generationally looking forward, I am absolutely hoping and and do my part to contribute to a shifting understanding of men inside these relationships. And not just, you know, I'm not guardrails to keep us all safe from, again, that sort of sexist power understanding that we impart to men, but to allow more fluidity in their understanding of themselves and their roles inside these relationships, because I think we we all benefit. And look, we're I mean, we're talking about this in a very heteronormative way, mm-hmm. even though there are lots of different stories within the Me Too movement. And I think, you know, as this this new generation pushes so so hard against that sort of heteronormative understanding of the world, I think again, Me Too is a part of this 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 accelerated conversation around gender and identity and sexuality. I mean, you can all feel it sort of breaking apart and, and sometimes reforming and sometimes just disintegrating. And I think that when the history is written, Me Too will be a part of that as well. 
it is easy to want to get to the end of a trend. And it's especially easy because of how our news cycles and and more than that, just kind of what captures the zeitgeist at any moment changes so rapidly. It's easy to feel like we have ended this movement. And I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I think that if you look at the past few years and you look at the issues that animate some of our most aggressive political activity, you see Me Too building on a long line of activism and cultural evolution towards greater equal rights. You see the racial protest of 2020. You see our current activism around trans rights and the backlash to that. And it all is this lineage of trying to find a way for people to truly be free and respected and cared for in their spaces. And none of that happens without a pretty big percentage of the population feeling left behind in the conversation and feeling confused about where the conversation is going and their own role as things change. And as I sense that I am getting to the the older part of of society demographically and and sometimes i find myself a little bit lost in where some of the conversation is around gender and sexuality i try to ground myself in that lineage that eventually all things work toward people being freer and more respected and more able to live and feel cared for in the lives that they create for themselves And that is just a big ask of all of us to be patient through that and to believe that that's where things are headed when there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. And I especially think about Roe versus Wade and the fact that Justice Kavanaugh had a vote in that case. Mm. But I do believe it fundamentally. And it is what gives me hope. And it is what fills me with gratitude as I think about 2017 in particular. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earth Breeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this 
fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. And the people who continue this work. Beth, Halloween is mere days away. It is a candy-centric holiday. And I thought we could talk about, for outside politics today, our feelings. Strong feelings coming from me, I'm just going to be honest, about Halloween candy. I'm interested in hearing your strong feelings. Mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge that since we last talked about candy on the podcast, which has been years now, my feelings have softened dramatically. Okay. Okay. And I think that is partially because the candy that I most enjoy tasting, I do not enjoy having eaten at this point <laughs> in my life. My strongest feeling is that we should segregate the chocolate from other candy. This is my number one Halloween candy-centric philosophy. The people who just... Store all the Halloween candy together in one container. I believe you to be monsters. You are ruining primarily the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which soak up all the nasty fruit flavor from the Skittles and the other, you know, lollipops, especially the dum-dums, because the wrappers don't stay on very good. They just make all the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups taste wretched. And also Snickers, sometimes the M&Ms are they're a stronger contender. They can hold their own. That's why you sort your candy. You get home, you sort the chocolate, you put it in its own very special container. So that is my strongest feeling. I will never, I will never shift from this. I will never shift from this. This just should be maybe like a law, maybe a legal requirement. I would be okay with that. Just I'm just being honest. 
I think that's excellent advice. And the non-chocolate candy lasts a long time. So it's kind of nice to put that stuff away and pull it out. I don't know, around Easter. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. I recycle a lot of the Halloween candy for Easter. You best believe I've got candy from the Labor Day Parade ready to hand out on Monday night. And I don't feel sorry about it either. So I really, you know, I stand by my statements around Easter candy many years ago on this podcast. I just, I'm just going to eat the chocolate. That's the situation. You know, over the course of my life, I have shifted on a lot of sort of desserts. Like I don't, I don't want a store-bought chocolate chip cookie, even though they are my favorite food. Like I just, I don't want to spend my, my, my life on that. You know what I'm saying? My, my very finite life energy on store-bought desserts. But I think candy, candy is a place where you just, you can't make it yourself. You know, you can't make a Snickers bar yourself. It It is good. It is always good. Now, can I eat as much as, it as, as I used to? No, I cannot. But will I eat Kit Kats and Twix and peanut M&Ms until the day I die? Yes, I will. Yes, I will, because they are delicious. Now, I will say, I love a Snickers. And I discovered a recipe for a vegan Snickers bar that is frozen, that is fantastic. It is so delicious. It's made with caramel. There's basically dates, and it's so good. No, no, you lost me in dates. I love you. I trust you about so many things. Absolutely not dates you gotta be kidding it's me it's so good i'm gonna link in the show notes so y'all can try it if you if you mm-hmm. like but here's mm-hmm. the thing maybe my enjoyment of the vegan snickers bar comes from the fact that i don't feel terrible after eating it and i do feel terrible after eating even like two snickers minis i gotta have like one bite of chocolate or i am i feel sick 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 now no, I can do. Uh, that's why I like Halloween. I like the bite size. I can have like a little bite size Kit Kat. I'm good to go. It doesn't make me feel totally crummy. Um, I can I can hang with some chocolate. Oh, I just love chocolate so much. Here's another Halloween candy philosophy I would like to discuss with you. Do you have people in your neighborhood who hand out full size candy bars? Oh yes, we do. And my children adore them. I know. I want to be one of those high roller baller people and my husband won't let me he's like that is an absurd amount of money we have so many trick-or-treaters and i'm like but we would be remembered forever we would be legends i know it's so funny when you have like the spectrum of those high rollers and then the people who are going non-candy and i i see and respect the non-candy people i see what you're trying to do i honor it my children come home talking about the high rollers with the full size well and people are like now that felix is diabetic are you going to do non-candy? And I'm like, no, that's not. He can have whatever he wants. He just has to have more insulin. Now, it does make my life hard, just like the perpetuation of sugar at all times and all places to celebrate all things. But I'm not mad at Halloween. Listen, Smarties, Smarties are a dang medical supply in my house. I will be segregating all the Smarties and I will be taking them for our personal supply because that's how we treat low blood sugar in the Holland household is a Smartie. They call them Rockets. In the United Kingdom, which is an appropriate name, because that is what they do to your blood sugar. But yeah, I, I, there's some that you got to be. It has got to be a strong showing. You got to spend as much or more than a full size candy bar to make a non candy Halloween treat. Please, the kitty set. You know what I mean? I'm not even sure I've encountered one. I believe there to be. I mean, nobody wants a toothbrush. Obviously, nobody wants stickers. Obviously, I don't mind like a like a popcorn ball. 
A temporary tattoo goes over well here. My kids love a temporary tattoo. Mm, they're not going to love it more than a full-size candy bar. Can not you really more think? than, no, you can't compete no. with a full-size candy bar, I don't think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my head to it. I'm going to think, is there okay. a thing, I want to hear from our audience, is there a thing that could turn a head the way a full-size candy bar does? I would like to discuss one more aspect of the candy situation. Okay. I recently had a blow pop for the first time in a very long time. Oh, I thought you were going to say ever, and I was like, what? <laughs> no, okay. a long time. I love gum, and I do Ooh. find that the non-chocolate candies like me better than I have ever liked them. And so okay. I had a blow pop with my children on the way to see the Descendants at the Children's Theater the other weekend. And I underestimated what it would feel like in my 40-something-year-old mouth to marinate my teeth in a bath of sugar. Blech. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought it, it tasted good, and I loved the gum in the middle, but the process of having a sucker at this point in my life, it's over. It's just passed me by. I Gross. cannot do it anymore. It feels terrible. No, I don't like suckers. I never did. I don't like gum. I move my jaws enough. In my everyday life, I do not need to add <laughs> jaw activity. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's not a thing I, I need in my life. No, I mean, every once in a while, like, like a single orange Skittle will be like a little, like a fun treat. But I just, or maybe, maybe a Starburst. I don't, they're just not. My kids love gummy bears and all those. Ugh. Oh, I like a gummy bear. I don't like a gummy bear. Now, like those really super high-end ones that aren't chewy to all. The Albanese one I was going to mention. Yes. The, okay. the flavors, yes. where the flavors have yeah. really been drilled those down to good. a science. Those are good. good. But like, am I going to choose that over a Kit Kat? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And while we're on the Kit Kat tip, I need another duo. The duos are getting a little stale. I love the mint chocolate. Followed second by the coffee chocolate. I do not like the strawberry, but I need another duo. They've got like they haven't come out with some new ones. And I'm ready for another Kit Kat duo. I love those. I think they're so fun. I love a novelty, like a novelty take on a candy bar. I'm here for that. See, I feel exactly the opposite. I'm a purist. I don't want you messing with an Oreo for anything. All of these oh, different no. Oreo flavors get But do you not remember the pistachio Oreos? We both love the pistachio Oreos. They were delicious. I and they just... have just disappeared. Don't I don't want invention around the no, classic I candies. I mean, I don't replace them, but I'm I'm ready for an expansion of the universe. That's okay. fine with me. All right. Oh, I don't want to inhibit anyone's creativity. There you go. How could more creativity in the universe be bad? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like it's fair enough. Okay. I stand corrected. Listen, we can change our minds about things. It's fine. That's right. Well, I'm excited. I I really am excited to see if anybody's got a play for a non-candy treat that would turn the heads of a child that's like just come from a house that hands out full-size candy bars. I don't think it's an impossible task. Children have notoriously short attention spans. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not loyalists. Like if you got something good, they will be excited. Let's see if y'all have any ideas. I'm I'm, I'm excited about this. I want to see if anybody's got anything. Bonus points if you can complete this quest without spending a full thousand dollars for an evening of Halloween fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Friends, thank you for joining us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Again, we are three episodes out from our birthday, so we would love for you to tell three people in real life, perhaps while you're in the candy aisle at your local supermarket, about the podcast. And we will be in your ears next Tuesday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.
Pantsuit Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Maggie Penton is our community engagement manager. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Linda Daniel. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Molly Kors. Lori Ladau. Lily McClure. Emily Neasley. The Cousins! Tawny Peterson. Tracy Putoff. Sarah Ralph. Jeremy Sequoia. Katie Steigers. Karen True. Annika Uveline. Nick and Elisa Valelli. Catherine Vollmer. Amy Whited. Jeff Davis. Melinda Johnston. Michelle Wood. Joshua Allen. Morgan McHugh. Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller. The next month in November, Matt Lauer is fired from the Today. Let me say that side fired with a pretty intense accent there. <laughs> I liked it though. <laughs> <laughs>